Hello, race fans. Welcome to another podcast for the Road to Indy Insider, episode number four. My name is Rob Howden. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in and subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. Thrilled to get the season underway. Talked to a couple of great drivers already in Stingray Rob and Parker Thompson. And pleased to bring in uh, my newest guest on the Insider podcast, 22-year-old or 20-year-old driver out of Jupiter, Florida, Kyle Kirkwood, your current point leader in the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship powered by Mazda. Kyle, I know that you guys are dialed in. You've been doing some testing for the Oval at Lucas Oil Raceway, but thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me here today. Yeah, thank you, Rod. Thank you for having me. I'm not 20 yet, though. I'll be 20 in uh, in October, so it's uh, just around the corner. Scratch this out. 19 years of, you know what, when you're a race car driver, you try to stay as young as you can, right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get through all the categories as quick as I can because I'm not really running out of time. But it's uh, no. it's a it's a bit close on 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 the call if I move up the ladder as I'm doing right now. Yeah, you know what? We'll get to this later on. We start chatting, but yeah, you're right. It's it's interesting that you drivers, do you try to push yourself quickly? Do you need to? It's interesting because you look down the line at a guy like Aaron Tielitz, who's 26 years of age, and if he wins. The Lights Championship this year, he could be in, in, in the Verizon IndyCar Series. Now, you're only a couple steps away as well, depending on how things go. So, interesting. We'll talk more about age and about how that kind of motivates you to make decisions down the line. Okay. But those of you tuning into the podcast, let's let's take the opportunity. I've got a nice list here. I've had a chance to watch Kyle Kirkwood race for probably the last, I want to say close to the last nine, ten years. And this is a kid that I've been watching for a, a long time. So, let me give you a little rundown of Kyle Kirkwood, give you kind of some insider insight on who this kid is and and to realize that arriving on the scene in USF 2000, uh, he comes with a, a pretty serious resume. Essentially, early years of karting uh, for Kyle in Florida, getting getting championships under his belt in, in the club level, really kind of came onto the scene 2010, 2011, uh, 2012, was able to win the Florida Winter Tour Championship in 2012. And for anybody in karting, they know how important the Florida Winter Tour is. It's that kind of off-season spring training program that really has been a massive event where drivers from around the world have come to run. If you can win a championship at a Winter Tour, it's big. Uh, that year in 2012, he also won a scholarship presented by uh, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, who came back and raced carts with us a number of times. A.J., of course, the NASCAR star, uh, giving some support back to Kyle to go racing. 2013, he moves forward and joined the Rotax Grand Finals Team USA team. We talked to Parker Thompson, Stingray Rob, both of those drivers having a chance to represent their countries at the Rotax Grand Finals, one of the biggest international karting events of the in the world, attracting teams from all over, 60-plus countries, sending drivers, representatives to that event. So not only was being part of Team USA, qualifying for that a big deal for Kyle Kirkwood, he actually became the first-ever American to qualify on the pole, he started the pre-file on the pole, and that was the Rotax Grand Finals in New Orleans in 2013. He went on from that race to win the Supercarts USA Super Nationals, the biggest karting event in North America in the S5 stock Honda shifter kart uh, class. Uh, as a rookie, he ends up winning at the Super Nationals. That's uh, something you want to put on your resume. We jump into 2015, and, and he's doing a bit of car racing, and he's doing the karting as well. Another couple of championships in the Florida Winter Tour, so you're getting a trend here that Kyle Kirkwood was one of the top karting drivers for those number of years. Was up highly ranked on the eKartingNews.com driver rankings. Uh, ended up winning the Rotex Grand Nationals, which is the national championship. Won that as well in the senior category. 
Went on to make his debut in the F-1600 Championship Series, set a new lap record as well. Uh, then he actually got a chance to test at the Chris Griffith Memorial Test at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, actually came through the uh, Max Speed Group Driver Development Program. And that was a cool program that only selected four drivers based on interviews, uh, their speed, uh, uh, an SR, uh, their, um, their invitation that they gave, the application they rolled out to, to say what they've done. Kyle able to get a chance to be part of the MRTI test at the Circuit of the Americas. Then we go to 2016, and here he comes. Because not only does he again <laughs> win more championships in the Florida Winter Tour, which is uh, unheard of to have a streak like that, he ends up getting to be part of the Team USA Scholarship, which is Jeremy Shaw's program. And that has been big for so many drivers who have worked their way through the ranks. You go through Team USA and see the amazing drivers and what they've done. And Kyle Kirkwood, part of that program, of course, with that, going to run at the Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch, the Walter Hayes Trophy, the massive 100-plus Formula Ford event at Silverstone. In the Walter Hayes Trophy, which is such an incredible event, he went from uh, 23rd in the final to 4th. Uh, in a in a wet final, which I think was um, unbelievably impressive. Also got a chance to be part of the Mazda Road to Indy $200,000 scholarship shootout at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. That year, he made his debut in the F4 uh, U.S. Championship and ran some races there, finished third overall. But it was last year when he stepped up in a big way in 2017, racing for Cape Motorsports. He wins the championship in dominant fashion. Nine wins, six poles, 10 fastest laps, and uh, 15 total podiums in 20 races. He ends up being the champion in the F4 uh, series in 2017. Fast forward to this year, running with uh, Cape Motorsports again. He's got the eight ball on the side of the car. Cooper Tires USF 2000 championship powered by Mazda. And he already, uh, uh, right out of the box, two race wins, victorious at St. Petersburg, and he wins the second race at uh, the Indianapolis Grand Prix weekend on the road course at IMS. Kyle Kirkwood, there's your career in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was really long, actually. I wasn't expecting it to be that long. It's really it feels cool. good though. It feels good though to go back and look at man. I, I've been racing a long time, and I, I've done pretty well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I've never actually heard somebody like I'm sure you say it while I'm on track or something like that. But I've never actually right. heard somebody say it over an intercom or anything. So it's cool to hear it. And that took like a solid four minutes for you to spit out. So. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. we're like we're almost seven minutes into this deal. You're and but again, one of the things I want to do with this insider podcast is get a chance for people to know who you are. And I think to know first before we talk to you and, and get a, get to know who you are as a person and as a driver. And you got to roll out that resume because I think a lot of times people will come to the race, you know, to watch a Verizon IndyCar series race. And wow, the road to Indy's here too. Oh, these young kids are racing, man. It's their first time in a car. They're new to racing. And of course, that is not the case whatsoever. You've learned, you've developed, you've worked with some incredible mechanics and some coaches, and it takes a long time to get to where you are right now, does it not? It does, no doubt. I mean, I've been I've been racing for, I'm coming on almost 15 years now. I started in karting when I was four years old. As you yeah. probably remember, I did. I started doing the Florida Winter Tour when I think I was eight or nine. And so I had a long career in karting. And then I've now had, this is going on my fourth year in cars. So yeah, a lot of people see us there. And they're like, oh yeah, you're just coming up. When did you get started sort of thing? You're like, well, I got started 14 years ago. To be honest, that's how long it takes, especially when you start that young. But 
nowadays uh we're kind of going back on that age thing already but nowadays yeah. they they a lot of teams they expect you to start that young and you'll see uh you'll see a lot of it seems like the trend is now younger drivers are moving up as you see like uh who can, uh, uh Matt well, Mateus Sol- Mateus Solarobo for sure right 15 oh, years he, of age yeah, like he just turned young. 16 yeah very very young. I'm talking about in IndyCar and Formula 1 like Verstappen uh, and all, you know yeah. they're they're all really young and it's you know here in the US it seems like the age cap is a bit higher than over in Europe because you'll see a lot of the uh, F4 series over in Europe where they're 13 14 years younger or 13 14 years old and then yeah. over here it's a bit older so it's uh it's nice so i think the racing's a little bit cleaner over here because of that personally for me in the connection i have with karting as you know through ecartingnews.com i I see the massive value in drivers getting a chance to race in senior karting because junior karting is good. It's, it's obviously great racing. It's cutthroat. But when you go to senior, it's a different level because not if you're 15 or 16 in senior, you're racing against some 17, 18, 19 year old guys and girls. And the bottom line is you got to, ha- you, you have to earn your respect or you're going to get shuffled around a little bit. It's that jumping into a big pond. I would rather see people jump into the karting pond in senior before jumping into the you know, into the car ranks at 13 or 14. I just think it's too early. I, th- I think you're a perfect example of the fact that you're able to come out of the box in cars and do so well because of the stuff, that the race craft and the respect you learn in, in senior karting. Oliver Askew, another great example. Dakota Dickerson did a, you know, a year of, of senior racing as well. For me, it's important to stay that extra year, at least one or two in karting, and then make the move to cars. I completely agree, yeah. I see a lot of junior drivers that jump out into cars, and they they end up doing a lot of things that is a bit immature, you could say, because that's, yep. that's the... I mean, you kind of have to race the way everyone else is racing, and in junior, everyone's going for the win. Everyone, I mean, you're, you're most likely end up crashing more in that than you will in senior, and then that rolls right over into cars if you're jumping out of a junior car into cars, and now your crash damage goes from whatever it is, two hundred dollars to three, four thousand dollars, and that's where you'll see a lot of the younger drivers uh, falling back, and they get a bit nervous, especially when they're moving up the ranks. Yeah, well, you're right. Now, you know that begs the perfect question, and that's what I wanted to ask you: What has been that biggest adjustment moving from from carts to cars? You know, you mentioned already the kids get in there and they try to drive a car, whether it's an F4 or whatever they're driving, they try to drive that car like it's their cart with a lot of contact and they're throwing the car into the inside. And, and as you said, you have a couple of wrecks and you're replacing corners on a car where the, the thousands of dollars are adding up, not the hundreds of dollars that add up in a cart. Those drivers start to get a little gun shy. Yeah, you know what? Maybe mom and dad don't want me to blow another $5,000 corner off the car. What for you was the biggest adjustment or the biggest, you know, the transition from from carts to cars. Um, I'd have to say just understanding the suspension and the way the car rolls. The racecraft is honestly pretty similar, um, especially in Formula cars. But uh, understanding the way, I mean, for me, when I was when I was younger in carts, I knew exactly what everything did on the car, like the caster, camber, all that stuff does. And when you jump into a car, everything changes. Now you have suspension. Now you need to understand the way the dampers work and all that stuff. So it's uh, that was the biggest learning curve for me and. That's what uh, I tried to adapt to as quickly as possible. That's interesting. The the car, obviously, a higher level of technology. You throw you throw that other little equation in, right, with the dampers and even the downforce as well and, and, and maybe a heavier race car. Uh, 
Kyle, let's let's move. Here's a question I want to ask you. So you you win the F4 championship last year, a major uh, accomplishment for you. What was the motivation to make the move to the Mazda Road to Indy and USF 2000? Like, has has the ultimate goal always been somehow to get to IndyCar? Um, of course it has. I mean, since I was really young, I've always been a huge fan of open wheel racing coming from karting. So IndyCar was always something I've always wanted to do. And it's uh, it's been a passion of mine. And it's been a goal that, that I've had since I was really young. So it's, uh, it's I think, jumping into the Mazda Road to Indy now is a necessary step for me to get myself a step closer to IndyCar. Talking with Kyle Kirk with the point leader in the Cooper Tires USF 2000 championship powered by Mazda, driver of the number eight machine, the Tatus USF 17 for Cape Motorsports. And speaking of Cape Motorsports, the essential juggernaut of USF 2000 racing over the last 20 years, Kyle, over the, over the seasons, over the years, we've all heard stories about Dominic and Nicholas Cape and what they expect from their drivers and, and, yeah, the level of pressure that they put on themselves and on the team and just the atmosphere, the culture. You joined Cape in 2017 for F4. You stay with them here for USF 2000. First of all, what was it like when you first started racing for them? Was it a change coming out of your out of the culture you were with your karting team? Um, it's a bit, the way that they do things is a bit different, but it's truly amazing the way that they work in harmony and the whole team works, uh, the way Dominic is in the data room, making sure all the setups and all the data look proper. Then he gives it to Nicholas, who's also the team owner and he does all the setup on the car. And then the mechanics sit back and do, do what they tell them to. And it all, it all comes together just so perfectly. I've never seen that in a race team in karting any anywhere and that's why i honestly think that well it's most of the reason why that they've that they've won or done so well in the past uh 20 years like you said you got off to a, a huge start to the 2018 season of course you come in as a rookie uh you know, i've talked long until i was long in the face about st petersburg and all the perils of running against the you know the concrete wall and how tough it is for rookies who who maybe make to make mistakes you came out of the box swinging. Uh, I was very impressed. Uh, what were your expectations as a you know, rookie coming into the season, essentially stepping into the seat that was vacated by the reigning F2000 champion, your friend Oliver Askew? You jump into the championship car. Did that change expectations for you, or did you come and kind of reset your own? Um, to be honest, I didn't really have that many expectations. I knew that the car would be fast. So I knew if, if I wasn't fast, that it would be me. So there was no question. There's no question from my end that, uh, that the car wasn't fast. Um, so my expectations were to do is as well as Oliver's doing or Oliver did last year. But I do think this year, the competition in USF 2000 is a bit more stout, especially bringing Alex and, uh, Jamie Caroline on as a full-time drivers. And I think, there's two other uh, Formula Four championship uh, winners, and um, but no, going into St. Petersburg, uh, I didn't really have that many expectations. Like you said, I've never driven close to anything with walls. O- only thing that I can use in compare in comparison is uh, is Super Nationals, which I've done well there in the past, and and I think honestly that's what helped me the best there. And uh, if you remember Modesto, those are those are the two places that I've actually had to run really close to walls and uh, get comfortable with the, with the distances that you put yourself in. And that's sorry. I was gonna say that that's a very interesting, uh, interesting analogy and, and comparison to run the super nationals, the Scusa super nationals in Las Vegas, a temporary circuit. And now 
you could have smarter, smaller carting walls, but they use a lot of water barriers in some of the areas, which are significantly higher than you sit in a cart. And, and same went with that Modesto street race in Modesto, California, where there were walls all the way around. That's you, you believe that those races kind of helped you train yourself in terms of getting a feel for, for like driving through what we call the con- concrete Canyon. Yeah, no doubt. Because if if you hit one of those uh, water filled barriers in a car, you're you're not going very far. You're gonna stop stop right in your tracks there. So it, uh, I think that's. I mean, looking back on it now, that's probably what what made me most comfortable with uh, with St. Petersburg being so close to the walls. Obviously, it's a bit different being in a car because things much wider and the concrete walls are a bit different than the than the orange barriers. But it's. Uh, I think. I could kind of relay that from from Supernats to uh, St. Petersburg and even going into the Oval in a week's time from now. Uh, so we talked about the fact you came out of the box strong. You score a win uh, at, the, at St. Petersburg. You're able to have a really strong weekend uh, at, at the uh, the IndyCar race uh, at the Grand Prix at IMS this past weekend. Uh, let me think, Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on how the season is going so far? And do you feel that your development as a driver is being accelerated thus far, being in the middle of, of these battles with, as you said, incredibly gr- high level of talent from drivers around the world. Um, yeah, no, no doubt. It's, uh, it's uh, accelerating because, <laughs> because the, the race craft from F4 to the Mazda road to Indy is much, much more different. And especially since there's so many different, um, strategies from different drivers that it uh it's had to change my mind in the way way i think going into the races as because i look back at uh at my race on sunday i believe it was sunday at uh st petersburg and it was uh it was a bit tough i'd have to say watching that and (laughs) coming into ims i knew i had to make something a, a different adjustment and if you saw the racing between alex and uh Alex and I in, in the first race, you'd see that it was a big change from what I did at St. Petersburg. So I've been uh, I've been adapting quickly. The racing's definitely a lot better than uh, than I've ever been or I've ever dealt with. So it's uh, it's a big learning curve for me right now. That's great insight. I love it. Now, okay, so next up is the oval. Your thoughts on running at Lucas Oil Raceway? I know that uh, I know you did some testing already on the oval, but what are your thoughts? First off, give me some input on the oval testing what did uh let's start with that what did you uh what did you feel like getting on the oval for the first time you know i um i was i was a bit nervous doing it because from what i've talked to or who i've talked to is oliver he's like oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna be a little bit afraid going uh so close to the walls and having just trusting the banking in the middle of the corner that it's Mm going to catch you but um it's it's really cool the way it works. I've I've never really been a huge fan of oval racing. I've always been in circuit, coming from my karting background. But it was actually so much fun that you had to be so meticulous with what you're doing with your hands and your feet. How slow you have to come off of everything. It's uh it's so strategic and and I actually loved it for the first time. And I was quick in the very first session that I ran, and we only went like a tenth or two quicker quicker by the by the the end of the two-day test so i was on it right away so i think when we come into uh into the races this next weekend that it's uh i think we can be right on top right away that sounds pretty good sounds like you got some confidence and again you're you're bang on uh any anybody that asked me about running on an oval and, and i've done some stock car racing myself it's all about nice and smooth movements right you just you got to roll back on the throttle you got to get that thing to rotate and and 
I'm, I'm happy that you had a good test. That's good. I think the race is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've had some epic battles for sure. Side by side. I remember Spencer Piggott and Matthew Brabham. I think they were side by side at Lucas Oil for like 25 laps. Spencer was on the inside. Uh, Brabham on the outside and just neither of them were going to give up. You know, that's, <laughs> it was, it was, that's really funny that you bring that up because we actually watched their onboard video from that at uh, yep. IMS this past weekend. And I was just like, wow, they're really, really going at it right now. And uh, hopefully I won't be that close with somebody. But but I think what's going to be very interesting is uh, is the traffic going around there. It's mm-hmm. I imagine, I mean, it's a 75 lap race. No way that we're not going to be not passing anybody for after lap 10 so it's really going to come down to strategy and how quick you get by everyone i think personally yeah and throw in the fact that you have to have a car that can drive both the high line which is the fast line around the track up by the wall but you also have to be able to go down to the bottom because if you're lapping a guy and he's up high you got to be able to make that thing stick and rotate down to the bottom of the track so you've got it i like it i'm looking forward to it it's always a fun race for me to call and with 26 drivers it's going to be fun there will be. be traffic I guarantee you. Yeah, it will be for sure. Okay. Let me ask you a question for you. This will kind of cap off the interview section. Then we're going to jump into the fast five. Uh, Is there a particular race coming up on the schedule that you're looking forward to? Honestly, um, either Toronto or mid Ohio. Those are, those are two tracks that I've always wanted to drive. Oh, sorry. I've driven mid Ohio a lot and I've got a lot of, a lot of seat time around there. So I've, uh, I've got a lot of confidence going into there, but then Toronto, I've seen, I've seen a lot of onboards from there and that track just looks amazing to race on for a street course uh, track. So both of those are kind of two. I've never, I've never actually even seen what Portland looks like. So that's going to be interesting. So I'm going to keep that one in mind. Um, but, but yeah, those two tracks, mid Ohio and Toronto are the two, two tracks I'm really, really looking forward to. Awesome. Again, chatting here with Cal Kirkwood, 19 years of age. I got corrected on that. I said 20, (laughs) he's 19 years of age. Let's not age him too early yet again. Out of Jupiter, Florida, your current point leader in the Cooper tires, USF 2000 championship powered by Mazda. All right, Kyle, let's go into the fast five. I got five questions for you here. Um, let's just kind of look back at your career talking about what you've done. We've got a lot of people that have done this so far. So here it is, the Fast Five. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. First question. What was your first cart? And give me some detail. It was a Fittipaldi chassis. I'm not sure if uh, anyone even remembers what those were. But it was, uh, It was. I think, uh, do you remember Court Vernon by chance? I do. Yeah, yeah, when he ran uh, Star Mazda back in the day, it was one of his first chassis that uh, – because my dad and his dad were, were friends back in the day. So I think uh, my dad bought bought one of his first chassis for me and my three brothers to race on. So that ended up being my first chassis, a Comer 80 and a Fittipaldi chassis that it was. You know what? For the uh, Road Dindy TV episode we just did, I had a chance to talk to Ricardo Junkos about his journey and how he got into the sport web when he first got in here and realized, you know, he got, got to Florida and realized he couldn't continue his career because he didn't have the money, didn't speak English. He ended up going to work for the Fittipaldi racing team. Right. Yep. And Andre Martins. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. And that cart was built by Mike Wilson, a multi-time uh, world champion. Okay. Next up. And because you're a car racer now and not just a carter, you can both go both. What is your favorite cart track? And what's your favorite race car track? My favorite karting track would have to be 
Schwanna, Wisconsin. I'm not sure if that track's even open, but the when when I raced there back in 2008 for the Rotax uh, Grand Nationals, that was one of my favorite tracks, and it still is for sure. With all the elevation changes, all the oh, yeah. the diversity between all the corners, it's it's incredible. But that for for me, that was my favorite track. And then what about car track? And then car track. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one right there. I think. <laughs> I think it would have to be Sebring, to be honest. Not not just because I'm so close to there, but just the history around it. Um, and it, I mean, obviously, it's it's a local track to me, but uh, it's it's one of my favorites. It's uh, it's home to me, and uh, I've got a lot of time around there. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that one. All right. Question number three: What's the biggest win in your karting career or your entire career? Oof. Let's go karting career first. When you look back at your years in karting, 10 plus years, what what was that biggest win for you? Man, that's a that's a tough one right there. That is really They're tough. supposed to be tough. Yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> uh, it probably uh I'd have to say the Super Nationals win that I had back in 2015, or sorry. Wait, wait, it was 2013. And then, and then I then I should have won the next year in S2, but uh we had, we had uh, a couple things that, that went wrong, but that was probably the bi- biggest uh, the biggest win for me in karting. How about cars? Um, right now, it would have to be either the win at Coda with Formula One last year in the F4 US Championship or this year at uh, IMS, just because it's IMS, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, we look at uh, at Verizon IndyCar Series drivers winning at Indy or winning at, you know, Long Beach or Hinch wanting to win in Toronto. If you can win at an F1 weekend, that's pretty solid. And if you can win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you can put that one on the resume too. Those are two pretty good victories at two pretty cool venues. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Those are those are my two favorite for, uh, for cars for sure. Again, another split question. Uh, question four, who is your biggest rival? My biggest rival. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm, I honestly can't even begin to uh, think about that. Uh, To me, there's no such thing as really rivals for me. Um, The the way I look at racing is, I mean, you've probably heard this term a million times that you're really nice off the track and then a devil on the track sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, I, do, I don't really look at any drivers as, as a big-time rival. We're all going out there to get the same exact thing. And, and I look at people as objects, not really personalities. So, And um, in, in the same sense, I do have to understand the way that people race and everything. But uh, I can't say I really have a big rival. I can respect that. I can respect that answer. I think that's solid. All right. Last question of the Fast Five here on the Road to Indy Insider. Again, talking with Kyle Kirkwood, your point leader in USF 2000. Question five. Who has been your biggest mentor or influence? For me, um, since I, since for the past probably five years or so, Mike or the whole Speed family, to be honest, is uh, Mike Speed, Alex Speed, and Scott Speed. So that I know, uh, you know them very well. They have, very, they, yeah. They've mentored me a lot. Um, I mean, Mike in karting and uh, teaching me a lot of things on the engineering side. Then Alex with the driver coaching and Scott just telling me if I if I have any 
any issues or anything uh, I need uh, answering with, I can call him at any time and he'll, he'll give me some answers, uh, especially with his background in F1 and GRC and sports car stuff. So he's very diverse and in the racing world. So it's, I can't really put, put my finger on one person, but if I had to put one family down, it was uh, definitely the speed family. I like that. I think that's solid. And, and, and with that, you are done. You're clear of the fast five. Kyle, thank you so much. Well done. So we'll cap it off. Your thoughts overall on the season. Do you give yourself a grade? What do you think? How are you doing so far? Um, I think we're doing really good. I mean, we're going up against people that have been in the series a few years, especially Alex Barron. I know he uh, did well in the Indy Lights a few years ago. So to be able to race against him and still uh, still end up on top is really humbling to me. And um, I think if we can keep up the same effort and the same same positions that we've been doing this uh, this year so far, that we'll probably end up winning the championship. I mean, I'm not going to look at it yet like that because we still have a long way to go. But uh, right now we're doing really good and uh, I'm, I'm happy with our performance. Hey, congratulations on the success you've had so far. I look forward to watching you continue uh, your journey up the ranks, hopefully to the Verizon IndyCar Series. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. Kyle Kirkwood, ladies and gentlemen, uh, definitely a name to watch on the Mazda Road Indy presented by Cooper Tire. Such an impressive young driver, 19 years of age in the very first rung, uh, current point leader in USF 2000 with Cape Motorsports in the number eight machine. He'll, of course, uh, join the other 25 drivers in the series at the Carb Night Classic on Friday before the Indianapolis 500. That's coming up uh, this week. Uh, if you've got nothing to do, ladies and gentlemen, that's a place to be. Carb Day at the track. The big track is going to be fun. The Freedom 100 will be crazy. But again, Carb Night Classic at Lucas Oil Raceway, the banked 5 eighths mile oval, will give an opportunity for the young drivers in USF 2000 and Pro Mazda to put on a show. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of the Road to Indy Insider Podcast. We talked with Kyle Kirkwood. It was a good one. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>